You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Testicular cancer is one of the highest cure rates of all cancers with a five-year survival rate of 95%. But the number of deaths from testicular cancer over the last few years has risen. Worldwide, more than 8,000 men die of it every year. Our guest today had testicular cancer, which had metastasized to his lungs. Joining us to tell his story is Jeff Hansen from California. Jeff, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you very much for having me. When did you first notice that something just wasn't right for you? It was um, early 2009. I had had a fall one night where, uh, uh, like, a lawn chair collapsed, and uh, and I, you know, fell down. It's kind of embarrassing. And um, shortly after that, I found uh, I felt a lump on my testicle, and. yeah, so it was early 2009, and I I went on thinking that it was, you know, because of the fall mm-hmm. for uh, a good couple of weeks before I uh, realized it was more than just a bruise. Yeah, it's not something that uh, you really, I don't want to say pay much attention to, but it's it's uh, having it in that area is just uncomfortable, isn't it? to go to the yeah, doctor yeah, and scary. say, listen, I've yeah. got something on my testicle. Can you take a look at it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a big part for me back then, um, I was working, but as a cab driver, so I was an independent contractor. I didn't have any kind of health insurance. So I knew if uh, I were to go into the hospital, it had to be like an emergency case scenario, or at least that's what I thought. That was a uh, Good, re- a good part of the reason why I was so uh, reluctant. But then, just yeah, you know, the natural, um, just not wanting to go into the doctor, being you know scared of what it might be, uh, trying to tell yourself that oh, it can't be this. You know what I mean? It can't yes. be this the horrible thing that you hear about all the time. Yeah, it's probably I'm, nothing. Right, right. Yeah. I I went on like that for. Um, a good month, really. Uh, a month or two. It's it's hard for me to recall exactly. I was still working. Um, at the time, I had a problem with uh, prescription medications, opiates. I was abusing those. And so uh, that kind of helped with all the, the pain side effects like that. It kind of helped me keep those uh, kind of things in check. When you say you were abusing uh, opiates, what uh, what were you taking those for? Um, I didn't have any kind of prescription. I was basically just doing them recreationally. Okay. Um, now, yeah, when like, you, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, when you, no, when you uh, had this issue with your testicle, what prompted you to go to the doctor? It had, be, it had become so uh, malformed and mutated that there was really no. Um, 
there was no tricking myself into thinking it was something else. Like I let it go so long that it, my my testicle literally was hanging down to my knees. Like it was, it was one of the when I actually did go in, it was one of the the most malformed that they had ever seen. Like it was, it was really bad. And uh, at the time, you know, there was there was depression. There were other factors. There's obviously the drug addiction that kept me from not going in until I got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- I mean, to bring it back to cannabis, there's a really good chance that the only reason that I I lived to that point was because I was habitually smoking cannabis. Um, before I went in, I quit the opiates, the prescription medications, and I was just using cannabis. Um, and then when I finally went in, I went to the um, clinic, the Planned Parenthood clinic, mm-hmm. before I actually went into the hospital, because again, I didn't have any kind of um, health insurance, and I knew that uh, the clinic would be free. And you know, a part of me still wanted to like think, like, well, maybe this is like some kind of weird STD, you know what I mean? It's something that's not um, mm-hmm. the C word. Yeah. Um, but the minute that the doctor at the clinic saw it, she's like, you need to go to the ER. <laughs> like, she she was able to just visually diagnose it. It was uh, so far gone. So you went to the ER. What happened there? At the ER, they basically told me right away what it was and that they were going to have to do surgery to take it out. I don't remember at that point if they told I think they told me then actually that chemo was going to be was I was going to have to do chemo too. They did a scan on it, you know, to verify, but it it was the kind of thing as soon as any medical professional saw it, they knew exactly what it was. Mhm. And so you had it removed, correct? Yes. Yeah. And what sort of treatment did you undergo? The surgery was pretty straightforward. I think the surgery happened within uh, the first 48 hours that I was in the hospital. After that, they started me on uh, chemotherapy and radiation. Um, I don't remember the exact ones that I, I had throughout it, but in the in the beginning, the, the chemotherapy and radiation was very manageable for me. I was uh, 29 years old. Other than the cancer, I was pretty healthy. I, I did that for, I, I believe, like three, four months. I, I was I was fine as far as the chemo went. As far as my cancer levels went, it, the, the the chemo that they were giving me wasn't attacking it enough. It wasn't, you know, I was, like you said before, it had spread to my lungs, and they were afraid of it spreading to my uh, spine and other organs. I had a very aggressive case because, because I let it go so long. Were you smoking um, cannabis throughout this period when you were having the chemotherapy? I, I smoked cannabis as much as I could. Um, the kind of backdrop to that, um, I smoked cannabis my whole life. Um, when I got cancer back in 2009, I, did, I didn't know like a percentage of what I know about the healing effects of cannabis now. So I was basically using it as um, like a pain medicine. I was basically using it for the pain and to help my appetite and to help sleep. Um, but yeah, I, I smoked uh, as much as I could, you know, being how sick, uh, sick I was, and I ate like quite a bit. I had um, a group of really good friends that were like constantly bringing me like different edibles, giving me something that I might like to try, which was 
when I look back on it, you know, probably helped me more than I even knew at the time. Jeff, when you were in the hospital, when did they tell you that your cancer had metastasized to your lungs? I think it was once I had begun the the chemo. It, they basically had told me it. Um, I was pretty like gung ho with it. I was like, I'll do whatever you guys want to do. I didn't ask for like a lot of mm-hmm. explanations. When I finally got into the um, mindset that I was going to fight it, I was just kind of like all in on whatever the doctor said. I found one really good doctor who I trusted, and it was just like what he told me was like what I was going to do. The basically, what I remember addressing the fact that it had spread was when they were telling me they wanted to move me up to the the next level of chemo, um, and I believe that was um, at least a month into it. You must have been pretty shocked. Now, though. You that must... doesn't mean that it had. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, that doesn't mean that it hadn't spread before then. That's just like when I recall, you know, addressing it. So it's like I, my memory of the whole experience is hazy to say the best, you know, with all the, the drugs and the chemicals and everything. I'm just wondering what your mindset was like when you go in and you know you have a problem with one of your testicles. They they know it's testicular cancer, and then you find out that it is metastasized to your lungs. And to me, this it sounds like the situation just becomes more dire. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things is when it uh, happened, I honestly, <laughs> I was more concerned about the people around me. I don't think the gravity of the situation ever really hit me while I was going through it. Um, I've always been a fighter and I've always been that kind of thing where like things aren't as bad as they seem, you know, you just, you put your head down and you get through it. I had that mindset. When I finally got out of my doldrums, I got out of my depression and I said I was going to handle this. That was pretty much my mindset the whole way through. Yeah. Well, you're a young guy. You probably thought, okay, I'm yeah. going to beat this. That's, and that was my justification on it a lot. I'm not, um, I'm not religious or anything like that, but I, uh, I told a lot of people and a lot of friends that, like, you know, this could have happened to someone else. This could have happened to someone who wasn't strong enough to fight it. And in that sense, we're, we're lucky it happened to me. So you underwent chemo. Did you undergo radiation at all? Yeah. Yeah, I was doing radiation and chemo. Uh, and then they started me on a, a, the second chemo. I have the name of it here. My pronunciation is... Terrible, but it's uh, mecholorfridine or something like that. When they uh, started me on that, that is a very powerful one. Um, you have to sign like release forms just to get it. You can only take like three or four doses for your entire life. That's the one that eventually you know, killed it, but it, it, it almost killed me on the way. Like I was, uh, declared septic. I, uh, broke out in hives and had all sorts of other, um, likely death symptoms, or I forget exactly how they worded it. Um, I rushed myself into the clinic one day because I had broken out in hives and my pain was just like so unbearable. I couldn't 
sleep, and that was taking um, because while I was doing the chemo, they gave me you know the prescription medications back, and so I was uh, doing them. I was taking uh, Dilaudid and Narco and all sorts of stuff for pain, and even with that, I was in a place on that chemo that I couldn't sleep. Um, I rushed into the clinic to try to get something for it, and they ended up giving me like a super high potent dose of uh, morphine, MS cotton, that ended up knocking me out. And that's the only way I ever made it through that. When I was going through that chemo, the only thing I could eat was uh, cannabis shakes and smoothies. It was the only thing I could hold down. Um, I And I made those from... Uh, the edibles that my friends were giving, uh, giving me. If I had more than I needed, I would freeze them. And then during that period, I would uh, unfreeze the brownies or cookies or whatever and just uh, put them in the blender and mix them up into a smoothie and a shake. And that was honestly the only thing I could hold down. Like if I made the smoothie, smoothies without the cannabis, they would come right back up my medication with them. And uh, I think I had three or four doses of that over the course of a month or two. And um, when I made it through that, I, I, you know, I lost all my hair. You know, I was the, the thinnest I'd ever been in my life. Um, but when I made it through that, I was basically um, declared cancer-free. The hospital staff, apparently, according to the notes you sent us, uh, had, ri- yeah. had written you off. Yeah, and um, to be fair to them, uh, I didn't know this at the time. Uh, my girlfriend, Billy, who you guys uh, had on right. uh, last week, she was working at the hospital at the time. And she said that when I was declared septic, that there were a lot of people in the hospital that I was a dead man walking, that I wasn't going to be around. Like, they even made, like, comments like, oh, he's a nice guy, but don't get too close because he might might not be here next week. Um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hold any grudges or anything, but that's how close I was to the edge. So you take this uh, very powerful uh, chemotherapy drug, and you get sick. The only thing you can keep down are edibles and smoothies yeah. and from cannabis smoothies. And then you were released from a hospital, and they declare you cancer-free. That must have been quite an exciting time. It, it really was. It really was. Um, there's still another concern, and I mean, we'll get back to that. But just getting through that ordeal was like extremely life affirming. And um, a big part of the reason I wanted to do uh, this is because I know that there are. I mean, the health insurance situation in this country. This I realize this is a political show, but I, I realize there are probably still people out there in um, a similar uh, situation that I was when I uh, had, like, we even had a friend recently who felt something weird on his testicle, and he was coming to me, and my advice is always just, you know, go get it checked out, and then there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, you do, it doesn't have to be as uh, stressful, as, as horrible of an experience as it was for me if you if you get it checked out uh, early, and um, I know your listeners know the health benefits of cannabis. If I had known them when I first felt something, I would definitely gone that route before I went to the chemo. But it's just to get it diagnosed and to know what you're dealing with, like you have to do that. That's it's a very treatable, curable thing if you can get ahead of it. Jeff, tell me about. So, sorry, Corey, go ahead. I was just going to ask where you are now as far as these different prescription drugs and stuff. Do you still ingest all those, or what's going on no, with that? No. Um, when I. Uh, I had a second uh, surgery, the, um, but after that, um, I basically 
quit doing all the prescription drugs. I don't have, I don't get anything from the doctors now. I just, I have a, an oil treatment with cannabis that I use. Um, I just had a checkup not too long ago. I'm cancer free still. I had my problem with that stuff and I don't use it at all anymore unless it's absolutely necessary like antibiotics or something like that. So Jeff, you are cancer free today. Yes. That's fantastic. And Yeah, yeah. You you take uh do you take oil every day, cannabis oil? Yeah, I make the oil for uh Billy every day. I I smoke a lot um like in the process of making the oil, I get a lot of it on my skin, so I don't necessarily like ingest it or orally every day. But um, I take some form of uh, cannabis every day. And like with the research with her, what we've been finding out is that um, the the best thing for for people to do. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you have uh, insight into it as well. But is to get all the um, components you can. Try to get some CBDs, try to get some THC, try to get some edibles, you know, the CBNs, the CB, CBCs uh, and CBGs, all that stuff's good. So I try to do as many different ways of consuming as I can, you know, edibles, oils, uh, yeah. papers. Cover all your bases. Yeah, yeah. How much oil do you make a day? Uh, I would say I make about... Say I'd make about a cup a week of the olive oil uh, mixture that I make. How do you do that, Jeff, for people who are listening who might be interested in doing um, this? For people that are listening, um, as far as the Rick Simpson's oil goes, um, that was basically my inspiration. I read a lot about the, the Rick Simpson's oil, and then when uh, when Billy came down with it, it's really funny, too, because it would have helped me wonderfully when I was going through my ordeal, but it wasn't, like I said, until it was someone else dealing with it that I actually really did the research. Um, but... Uh, the Rick Simpson's oil, if uh, if you're battling cancer, honestly, I would uh, recommend that you go to the actual Rick Simpson's uh, webpage and um, listen to his instructions because he's 100% more knowledgeable than I am. And as far as the cancer-fighting elements go, it does seem that there's something there as far as I use the olive oil because it's organic. It's less you know caustic than the ethanol or the napathin that um, they use in, in the traditional Rick Simpson's oil, but the, according to their research, the the nap, I think it's napathin, uh, don't quote me on that, but whatever he, uh, Rick Simpson, naphtha, yeah, he, the, he recommends, um, that is the best way to get a high concentrate of THC, and based on the cancer cannabis research that I've read, when you're battling cancer, that's what you want. You want high concentrates of THC. THC, yeah. Um, Although we are finding, you know, there's really been a, uh, this has really evolved since Rick's video first came out, and the trend yeah. is definitely moving away from using naphtha or isopropyl. Um, certainly, uh, Everclear's used a lot, and you know, in yeah, your case, I, in your case, olive oil, because it, and then there's all the issues that the naphtha and the isopropyl in Canada is not the same as in the states, and of course, Rick is from Canada. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. But um, t- but, yeah. but tell us, how do you? So you make yours. Yeah. How do you do yours? 
I do it with olive oil, and I actually found the re- recipe um, online. I saw a case study where they had compared all the different solvents, the naphtha, the ethanol, the um, olive oil, and then a few others. And skunk then, Farms uh, Research? Have, did you maybe get it, it off of Skunk may, Farms? Yeah, it, it may have been. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but they had lab results, and they had charts, and they had all sorts of stuff, so it looked legit. And they didn't have... Um, they didn't have a, you know, a step-by-step on how to make it out of the olive oil, but they showed, they listed enough of their process that me and my three friends figured that we could duplicate it. And so basically what it is, is we take, it's, 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 it's a cross between an infusion and a full extract oil. You uh, take, you ground up, you ground up the cannabis, you mix it with uh, 100 milliliters of olive oil. I always use 100% organic extra virgin. If I can get locally grown, I always do. Um, and you mix that up with, uh, for every 10 grams of uh, grounded up cannabis, use 100 milliliters of olive oil. Mix that up in a jar. And then I double boil the jar. So I fill up a pot with water, boil that, get it to uh, between 98 and 100 degrees Celsius. And then I put, typically it's a mason jar that has the olive oil cannabis mixture in it. I put that on the pot and double boil it between 98 degrees Celsius and 100 degrees Celsius for two hours. Um, That should get out anything that's not olive oil or cannabis. And then you take, from there, you take it and... um, I use, I just use a coffee press that you could buy at anywhere, Target, Walmart, Winco, whatever. Um, you need to have one that goes all the way down, so it might need a detachable top. And I just put, after the, the mixture that I boiled for two hours, after that's cooled, I dump it in the coffee press, and then I press out that oil and collect. And that's as simple as it is. We've had the, the oil tested from, by Sequoia Labs, and... Per 30 milliliter dose, there's between uh, 60 and 120 milligrams of THC, which, and then I think it was like 548 THCA. So that's, that, you know, that's like a very potent edible, basically, is what you're getting in one dose of that. Do you uh, take that as, um, as, as an oil or do you add it to uh, an edible? We uh, both. Uh, I've had the most success with it. It, it. It's had a lot of Billy's had a lot of success with it as far as uh, her epilepsy and seizures go. She just shoots it straight a lot of the time. Um, you can most definitely put it in with food. A lot of times we'll cook up like a you know top ramen or a cup of soup and just throw a dose in there. So you know now you're getting maybe something good from that those empty calories. But. Um, I like it as opposed to the um, the ethanol oils because it's it's very palatable. It's not as concentrated, so it's also more accessible to uh, to people who might not have a history with cannabis. You know, you can take a, a small dose and it doesn't it doesn't taste bad. It's very approachable, or you can even start you can even put it in the food like you were saying. Do you have other friends who do this with you or just do it on your own? Uh, I have two friends. They helped me with the whole uh, making the oil for the first time. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a... Because like I said, the information we had, it wasn't like step-by-step. We had to kind of all put our heads together and use our... uh, 
layman knowledge of science. So overall, as a result of taking this uh, mixture that you make and uh, smoking cannabis, your health today is what? Pretty good? Yeah. Um, I have some other issues that are unrelated to the cancer. Like I, I'm I'm quitting uh, soda, which is terrible. Um, You're quitting what? I'm what quitting was that? Smoking. Quitting uh, smoking. Oh, drinking soda and smoking. Yeah, like I have those factors that are probably like when I got cancer, I was driving cab, I was smoking too much, I was uh, using prescription medication, I was eating fast food two three days a week or two three meals a day. Um, I uh, had like two, three cell phones in my car every night because I was driving cab, and uh, there's theories on radiation there. So yeah, I've cut out. I've cut out a lot of the unhealthy stuff. I'm de- definitely, you know, 100% more healthy than I was six, seven years ago. I still have some things I need to work on, but um, yeah. Oh, good for you. You're headed in the right direction. Right, were, right. Were you drinking a lot of sodas? Yes. I've always drank a lot of sodas. I, that, that's the gateway drug, you know? Like, I, when I was a kid, my mom would buy us 12 packs of Mountain Dew and let us stay up all night and play video games. And, like, that's, I've just drank soda my whole life. Yeah, Jeff, you've got to get rid of that I, stuff. You've got to get rid of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good. I just, it's, it's, uh, it's the Coca-Cola, man. They, they, they buried that fucking <laughs> deep, man. I, I know it's evil. I know it's evil for so many reasons, and I still, it's just, I see one in the store, and I'm like, oh, you know, I've kicked like opiates and stuff, and <laughs> like coke still like makes me go crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, and Jeff, if you can kick the opiates, you can kick the Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good for you. I mean, I find that I found that uh, for me, the toughest thing that I've ever done was to quit smoking. And I started smoking when yeah. I, when I was eleven, and yeah. quit when I was twenty one. And I was smoking two packs a day. I liked to smoke at that time, and yeah. the funny thing was, it I had the desire. For about five years after that, when people lit up, I just love the smell of smoke. Mm. And now it doesn't bother me at all. So you can you can do the same thing yeah. with, with Coke. Uh, just have yeah. just have a glass of water and just tell yourself that your lungs and your testicles are fine. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Or you're you're t- right. You're, I need to yeah, I don't want to say testicles because you've only got one, but your testicles. Well, I've only got fine. the one left. Yeah, yeah that's but right. He's doing the work for two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, tell me about. Yeah, I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, I found the same uh, found the same thing to be true with smoking. Uh, that's one thing I'm trying to quit too. And like I've in my youth, I did a lot. Of, I experimented with a lot of drugs. Experimented like I'm in a lab or something. I did a lot of drugs, and uh, I was able to give them all up when it was time to and smoking's the another one that I still you know I'm still I'm down to a couple a day but I I need to be less than that you know yeah yeah well you you can do it i mean you're in your 30s now and you're you're in your 30s right yeah, I'm 37. Yeah, and you realize that uh, as you get older, uh, the system slows down, and you can't function like yeah. you did when you were 19 and, and 20 years old. Yep. Tell me about the uh, the seed bank and nursery that uh, you're going to set oh. up. Yeah, it's, um, we actually have a Facebook page. It's called Just Seeds and Stems. Me and the three friends I was telling you about, the, or the two other friends that helped uh, develop the oil, 
we have a, a seed bank with hundreds of thousands of uh, strains that we've just been making kind of on our own here in Northern California. Um, the main breeder is a, a, a friend of mine who's just kind of been up in the the mountains, the foothills by himself, kind of hermit status, you know, no internet. Um, and uh, we've been talking to him, and he's got this huge um, seed bank, and we're looking into um, kind of emulating. Are you guys familiar with uh, Dark Heart here in Northern California? I'm not. No. They are uh, a clone bank that is just all the rage. They have been uh, selling out clones. Like, I go down to the clubs in Sacramento, and there are lines at like three in the morning for 9 a.m. drops for these dark heart clones. And we're trying to hopefully by next year, by the time the recreational comes through here in California, we'll be able to help fill that um, niche. Like I said, we have the huge seed bank and we're setting up the uh, nursery right now to hopefully start doing the clones. And then we were even actually talking about packaging the oil um we've been playing around with uh coconut oil and uh trying to get you know a pure organic treatment out there for people for you know because i know with a lot of these um things that are coming up some of the oils aren't completely accessible um the like the ethanol oil and the isotopes that are they're not always accessible to these older people that are coming down with this stuff, especially with the stigma that cannabis has. Um, I, I actually had issues with that with my mom who passed away uh, recently. She had brain cancer and she was reluctant to take the oils because it just, you know, she comes from old uh, Catholic world and she just doesn't view cannabis as a medicine she uses as a drug and so we're hoping if we can put it in this olive oil thing where it doesn't even like really look or taste like cannabis but we can still you know label it as such and tell people you know it, it'll be more accessible to people that might otherwise not be willing to try something like that yeah no that's a great idea jeff it was good to talk to you it's great that you're uh, on the road to recovery in terms of uh, well you've recovered from your uh, testicular yeah. cancer and you your uh, metastasized to your lungs. Uh, that's good news. You just have to quit your sodas, quit smoking, and yep. uh, then you'll well, be... it's all good. And it's all good. Yeah, you, 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 uh, you, I'm you, there. You'll be running a marathon yeah. soon. Yeah, well, let's see. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> I would love to, to, to be more active, actually. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Um, if anyone listening to this, the only thing I'd really like... If if you have any doubt or if you know anyone out there that you think might have, like, risks for testicular cancer, just get them in. Get them into the doctor. Get them checked out. I mean, nine times out of ten, it's going to be nothing anyway. Just to know. I made that mistake, and if, if, like, one person can learn from my mistake, then it was worth it. Yeah, good point. Jeff, thanks very much for this. Greatly appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, Jeff, for doing this. Thank you, too. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to get my story out there. No problem, and good luck to you. All right, thank you. Take good care. And if you'd like to tell your story about the use of cannabis for medical purposes, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. And if you'd like to advertise with us or be a sponsor for the program, Cannabis Health Radio, also send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Com. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.